Well, welcome to the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is your host, Rob Elliott, and I have an amazing man from Canada today, William Big Sleep Stewart. He has been an actor. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's everything you would ever think. And as we know, in typical land, the video has just dropped out. Can you still hear me there, Bill? Oh, I, I can still hear you. I'm not even sure what happened. Uh, there was something that popped up, and I'm going to make it go away, but let's continue. Like <laughs> let's continue it's going to look great on youtube so you know at least at least i see the the picture you've got up is a much younger version of you oh no that's from last year <laughs> so last year rob you know black don't crack <laughs> well that means that that explains why i'm so white i got cracks see, there, you my go. face. there you go no i'm just playing i don't know what's going on here rob it might have Mate, welcome to the show uh, from Canada, the other side of the world. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me. We were talking about the ghosts of technology for a show. Decided to rear his his crazy little head. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. That's all good. So uh, what part of Canada did you grow up in? Well, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Um, And uh, when I was nine years old, we um we moved to Brooklyn, New York. Yep. And uh, my dad had a job there for Bankman Bank Paribas, so uh, moved us all out there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the start of understanding what madness is really about. Moving to Brooklyn, New York. So, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a wild town that New York, isn't it? Oh, the Wild East, the Wild Wild East. Mm. No, <laughs> well, also at that time. When you when I when I had moved there, you know, it was this time when that surgeons of crack cocaine. Oh wow! And then there's as a kid, you're seeing like you're wa- you're watching the the, the shift. Yeah. And then there's also that time of like, um, uh, everybody used to kind of fight with their hands. Yeah. And then there's the surgeons surgeons uh, surgeons of guns. Yeah. So you go from living in Toronto where it's just like, yeah, Toronto's kind of like a little New York, but nothing like what it is now. But yeah. you go to you go to New York and you hear gunshots. Like I when if I hear a gunshot, it doesn't like I'm like, oh, okay, it's in that direction. But it's like it's weird to say I'm numb to it. Yeah. It's weird, weird to say. I, I know when I hear it, I know what it is. Like that's not no firecracker. I could de- I could decipher a firecracker from what I'm hearing, and it's at, at that time being so young, um, you have to grow up fast, and it's crazy, mm. you know, moving there and and um, at that time coming from Canada, multicultural um, environment in, yeah. in Toronto, to where you saw like this is a neighborhood and you don't see any white people for yeah. 10 blocks that way, 10 the other, or, or it's like delivery. So I started to see the difference between communities that were actually segregated communities. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably, you know, for the most part, uh, the East coast, I I love the East coast, but now I reside on the West. You know what I mean? Now I got to go with everybody, you know, the West is the best. You know what I mean? So how long do you live in the <laughs> How long did you live in New York for? I lived in New York from when I was like nine till I was fifteen years old. So yeah. 
when you take that, you have to you have to equate that to dog years. And that's what I th- I'm I'm serious, and that's what people don't understand. It's like you have you grow up so fast, yeah, in that city. Like things I, I, I that I, I I knew about, things that I that I, I had processed, things that I had soaked in, things I had seen, mm. you know. And it's funny because I started doing I did therapy, um, started therapy a year ago. Yeah. And when I talk about a lot of the old old things that I've seen, so you have to think by the time I was 15 years old. I've seen seven of my friends die. Yep. I've probably seen about three by gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. like seeing them. Um, and then to get to a point where you're like, oh, and what about those other people that I saw? The one guy was playing a video game who got shot right beside me, blood on the screen, and getting mm-hmm. chased home by the guys because they know I was the only guy. Like the, that kind of stuff. So, but that's normal. And I'm telling you, it's not normal, but it becomes normal for you yeah, for yeah. things that happen. So, um, you know, at 15 years old, and then I moved to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada to live with my aunt, my auntie because my mom was like, you, you need to go. Like, this yeah. is you, you just the crowd you're hanging around, what's normal to you. Like, why do I have a gun at 15? It was just normal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's how you grow up. That's what. And then when you leave, you're like, Excuse my language, that shit ain't normal. <laughs> you know, but you know, I it's uh it, it taught me to to understand and, and really not judge, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because when you're taking out it out of an out of an, out of an environment, when you really get to when you understand it and you see certain things, because coming from Canada, you're like, why the hell is this like this? Mm. Um, even healthcare. Like I yeah. mean Whoever tries to convince Americans that Canadian healthcare system is garbage is the devil. So just just know who you're dealing with. When that when when that whoever says to you that the Canadian healthcare system is not going to work and it's garbage, it, trust me, that person and those people are the devil. And I know. Um, sorry for saying this on your show, Rob. That's okay, but <laughs> go for your life. But. Reason why I say that is because I've had a kidney transplant. I suffered from kidney disease for um, a strong five years, six years. Yep. Um, had the transplant. Um, had my. I was in my room, did my thing, mm-hmm. took meds. Um, the medications that I'm on are roughly about thirteen hundred dollars a month. And it costs me twenty two fifty, and I still haven't received one bill for the surgery or anything. Still going to any of the doctors. So I don't know about you guys. I don't know if the system works for you guys in the United States of America, but it still works for me in Canada. Pay that much. I very similar to Australia. We're we're blessed with a pretty good bloody health system, as well. Very similar to what you guys have got there, sir. Yeah. So I mean. So when you when you notice that you, you understand that there's just certain things, and I'm sorry that it takes it's going to take mm. multiple years to change. Mm. Um, I feel blessed to just be alive. Did so you being, did you finish high school when you went back to Canada? Well, the funny thing is, is I went to um, when I got sent to to Edmonton to live with my aunt. Yeah. I went to high school. 
but I feel like it was uh, a lot of the, you're still dragging that as a young child, you know, your brain's not even mature enough to understand that, you know, you don't need to bring all that New York stuff with you to, to a new place. It's, you still don't know who you are. So rebelling and being, you know, um, an idiot is one thing. So I adjusted from even thinking like that. I was just always the funny kid that was disruptive. And it's yeah. it's weird how I, I made a living and I can I can say, well, I know you told me I wasn't going down to nothing. <laughs> oh man. If you yeah. if you listen to the story of most people who are creatives, which is what you are, and have been successful, school didn't fit them. School no. never suited them. Very few. And most of them were told at a young life they were never going to be anything. And that, and they just took it and said, "Well, you know, stuff you. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go out and prove all you wrong." And like some of the, the wealthiest people in the world and the most successful, because I class that as two different people, never went to college, as they say in America, or as we say, university. They just learn. They just put their head down and off they went. Yeah, so I don't have a high school diploma because they basically told me at the beginning of the year that you're not going to graduate. You're not going to graduation. We just feel that you're going to disrupt it. And then that was, that was the real conversation. I said, well, why Why would I? Why would you tell me this now? Like, why would you just tell me at the end of the year to see what I was going to be doing by the end of the year? So at least if I had the grades, I would, you know what I mean? So I just, I thought, I didn't know if at that time they were setting me up to fail, but my brain went, all right, well, there's marijuana and there's a bunch of other stuff that these yeah. other idiots that I'm hanging out with want to do. So why don't we just hang out here at school? Because I'm not going to graduation anyway. Mate, um, I, I had, a, uh, I had a, a priest who was teaching us in early high school, and he actually gave me the strap, you know, the big leather strap on the hand at the start yeah, of class. And I said, why, Father? And he said, because you're going to get it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, but that's the kind of stuff I had to deal with. Hey. The principal didn't even do it anymore. He just said, have a seat. Just tell me to sit down in the office and I'll just sit there. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do when you left school? I mean, you, you've been successful now. Anyone that looks you up on the net and sees your, uh, your sheet of what you've done and the movies you've been in, the TV shows you've been in, I mean, you've made a bloody good life. And I'm sure it's your hard work. We'll get to it, but... You didn't get there overnight. How did you go from being going with uh, drugs and hanging out with the wrong kids, not graduating? Where's the link? There's obviously something in between. Well, you know, it's uh, it's something where, you know, finally, you know, you think about it. It's like my mom, mm. like, you know, you constantly, she's constantly worried. She, but she always had this thing where she'd be like, have these dreams. And, <laughs> and it's that whole mom dream to intuition. Mm-hmm. And she had a dream one night and she said, don't go out if you're going out tonight. And I was going out. I was literally go, ready to go out. And I was like, why is she calling me with this voodoo lady stuff and mm-hmm. telling me not to leave the house? And I know I shouldn't leave the house. And I shouldn't call it voodoo. Right? I think it was just her intuition. And she was very spiritual. She mm. always saw things and things that she would say would come true. Mm. She said, don't go out. I see you with the police. Stop. The police are tonight. I see police lights. Please don't go. But she was really pleading with me and like, mm. like emotional about it. And I'm like, man, I love my moms, but she crazy, man. I'll be there in 20 minutes. 
Like, was, <laughs> so I go out and then ended up happening where um, I uh, there was some there was a brawl had broke out. Yeah, we were trying, and then all of a sudden you're in this fight. And now you're getting why am I getting hit? So then yep. you start defending yourself, and I had knocked some guy out, and that we we're like, all right, let's leave. But as we're leaving, the police came in, so they weren't letting anybody leave. So yep. when the story came and people are pointing fingers, like, why is this guy on the floor? That guy did it. Yeah. So and then in uh, Alberta, you the, the the person doesn't need to charge you. The, per, the police will just yeah. based off the information, and that was kind of like the wake up call. Because yeah. it's like right, wrong, you know, wrong place, wrong time. But I was warned. You were. So it was just it was one of those weird epiphanies. Epiphanies where I was like, <sighs> she was trying to warn me. Yeah. And at some point, you gotta you gotta listen. And she always used to say, "Who don't hear will feel." I felt that one. Oh, how true! Who don't hear will feel. That's awesome. I must. I gotta remember that. Yeah. So it was, and um, you know, you're still young, and you, you're trying to. You still don't get it. You're still trying to process like what it is, but you know, whatever it was, she said. Because I was like. Well, I want to be a rapper. Why? I don't need a charge on my to travel and all this yeah. other stuff. So one thing that if that didn't happen, I, I think you know you're easily led. Like, well, and then she also had a saying: "Go, friends will bring you go, but they'll never bring you to come back." And I was like, "Is that some West Indian talk that you're missing some letters and some words in it?" But okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> but okay and but it makes sense like your friends will always take you on a journey but they'll never bring you back the same yeah they'll never bring you back if you go off on a, a, a wild or a journey which you know you shouldn't be and she was always brought us up the right way manners mm. please thank you take yeah. your shoes off at somebody's house um you know yes ma'am no ma'am mm. good morning evening like you know so um I think that was the, the start of it, to be honest with you, where mm. I really started to kind of go like, yo, something's got to give. Like, and what happened? Had, had, if, how, did you get, well, how did you get into acting then from there? Did you well, go into music to, or did you go? I went to music first. Music was like at 15, 16. That's when I really started getting to music. And it was all because of Bill Conley. He was a, a rapper out of... Um, Edmonton, Alberta. He's a, a, a white rapper on top of that. So it was very unique back then to have a white rapper. There was, I think there was third base at the time. Um, uh, well, everybody knows Vanilla Ice came out yeah. for, and then, but there was, there was really good art, um, um, white rappers coming out at that time. And the, the culture started to really evolve. And uh, AOK, his name is Bill Conley. He had a radio show and kind of, I was kind of, intrigued with how dope this guy was i was like yo his rhymes are sick and, and, yeah. you know and you know you have to also remember there was a time where people like it was it was honestly reverse racism when it came to hip-hop because yeah, it was, it was like, yeah yeah it, it, it's it, you know and the funny thing was is i started telling people have you heard this dude a-okay he's pretty dope like you know what i mean so I'm trying to slick. I'm talking to my friends in New York and I'm sending stuff back and they're like, oh, snap. I'm like, yeah, he's a white guy. Tell you he's a white guy. 
he's white and he's proud. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was, but it was, and it was another side of him. He had a radio show. Yeah. So I would come down and carry the records and watch him do his thing. And um, he kind of weird, he just kind of took me under his wing and then I, I decided I'm going to write a rap one day. So yeah. I wrote a rap and I, I let him hear it. And he was like, you did that? You wrote that? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, nah, seriously, you wrote that? Yeah. He's like, yo, that's dope, man. And he kind of was like, yo, that's crazy. Keep doing your thing. So my brain was like, I want to get as good as him so I can ask him to be on one of his records. Like, you know what I mean? Or even good enough to, but, but I never really thought of that as a career people were rapping back then and mm-hmm. everybody people were looking for record deals and trying to get signed but that was never a part of my head i didn't even know what i wanted to do i didn't even know mm-hmm. if i wanted to be you know i had no idea who or what i was going to do i was still trying to find myself and um years later i got into a group called the maximum definitive with justin ryan and uh, mm-hmm. click and uh roger mooking who's now on the food network um, yep. you know, and uh so there's just you never know what your path is going to be. And then I did music for a while. I got into a group called Half Black Italians with Moto Blizzard, um, Moto House now. He's a house DJ. Um, and um, from there, I've always seemed, I liked writing. I liked the f- aspect of writing rhymes and writing. And, mm. you know, weird enough, I was always like a storyteller type rapper. But is it, isn't that what music is? Just telling a story? Poetry. Yeah. Yes, and you're correct. It's like, T- telling a story exactly exactly what you yeah and uh from there for me i think um it was it, it was my my escape when i actually now as an adult can look back hmm. that that was what i was doing was my only way to really express myself because you're told be a tough guy you can't yeah. cry you fuck it up you need and that's pretty well universal around the world yeah and when I would listen to some of the songs, I'm like, oh, you a sappy, lovey, dovey mother. You know what I mean? Like, you, or you, a, <laughs> you know, you, you, know <laughs> you find yourself going like on those, you're like, wow, I, well, I was trying to say stuff, but the stature and, and how you're, you're supposed to act in these times, like, you know, wearing all black, wearing Raiders colors, you had a funeral. Mm. You're not happy about the music that, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, um once i once that was my main thing i'm sorry i was gonna get a deal i was gonna go i opened up the door and i think i met a lot of so many different people along Mm. my path which i started doing interviews um with moses nimer he was like he's like a legend here in television in uh, canada moses nimer i think he started working with ctv created much music which is our which are version of mtv yep yep um and he came to open up a uh, they came to open up a a tv station out in victoria so i wanted to be in the marketing department because i had Mm. already worked for bmg on the street team pushing artists and so that to me was very exciting and um that was when like when you say what were you going to do i need i figured i started to learn to do what you love what excites you doesn't seem like a job because I had done club nights, but I was working for BMG. So I was like, well, I got boxes of this stuff in my house 
and I can only give it out to my neighbors and so many other people as many as my, like you know what I mean like I need to get rid of half of this stuff because now I'm like you know I'm looking and I'm like I feel like I might as well be the woman in this relationship get this stuff out of here it's cluttering the house and like I was like I started to feel that anxiety channeling your mom might oh yeah like you know my mom would have been like, if I see another one of them box come here, you gonna get shit back with the box where any box thing come from. I don't want them in my house. Right. So I would have had to <laughs> I would have had to figure something out. But then I thought, well, hey, you know what? Um why don't I start club promoting, get a club mm-hmm. night and give everybody who comes to the door free CDs and posters and mm-hmm. mixtapes and it was like BMG thought it was genius. So I call it the BMG Urban Music Night. We always had a release on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, we all, so I was I, I was actually making more money than the people in the office. In one night, I was making their monthly wage. And then so that's what wow. out. What that's from being the DJ or, or selling no, the stuff? You're supposed to host. give it away. I, it was my idea for the night. So yeah. I would I would I would think of the artist, and my brain went, "Well, wait a minute." Each, there's always got artists that got to do promo tours. They always yes. have an artist that's got to promote the new album. So you're going to get a cheaper price on whatever you okay. do for the promo for the album. I'm like, I'm always going to get free promotional stuff. They give me all kind of swag and stuff like that. Well, if you really want to push artists, why don't I find the biggest nightclub that they had there and do it that way? They had 1,800 capacity. Mm-hmm. We were averaging over 2,000 to almost close to 3,000 people. Every time, every, every, every night that that night happened. And uh, it was the biggest nightclub in Edmonton at the time. So at five bucks a head back then, when you've got over 1500 people paying, you're happy. You're happy. (laughs) And I bet you, and I bet you all the ladies wanted to know big sleeps. Well, you know what? Big Sleeps was a pretty popular guy anyway at the time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but this would have taken you to the next level. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had because I had left Edmonton and I went back at that time, mm. and I was I was already um, married, right? So for me, it's a different flex to be in a oh, club yeah. and you kind of be like, yeah, you know, mm. no, hey, and I'm a nice guy. You know what I mean? And I've grown up, I was always a flirt, so you have to kind of balance that out because at some point, you know, it's it, it's going to look like disrespect. Yes, true. right. So. So, you know, I was so hyper focused on just figuring out how to make money and what I was going to do in life and yeah. that um, I was I was like, I love this. So people knew me as a rapper, but what would, how was a better way to open up for somebody? Yeah. So I'll, well, I'll book the artists. They're under the label. Um, I'll perform and open. Yeah. Um, I'll hire. I hired. Uh, I think it was. Uh, five university students and from between the U of A and different colleges mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So I would pay them using the money from the club nights to promote at their schools for the artists. So for them, I was their part-time job for the weekend, but yeah. then each one of them came because of the deal I made at the club, 1800 people. I'm like, well, bro, in my brain, I need to at least, give half the crowd a drink hmm. said i need 900 drinks for free they're like what i said yeah let's do it cheap let's do two dollar heinekens and two dollar highballs you can give me 900 drinks and they're like what 
So I said, all right, well, I'll talk to the reps. So that made, so mm-hmm. it worked out that the reps ended up giving me 400 shots of, or bottles to act deep. So it was half and half. Yep. And then Heineken, the Heineken rep split it with me. They didn't give me, they didn't turn around and give me the 400 bottles, but they no. ended up giving, they ended up giving me 200. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so it was just under 200 because it's 24 in a case. Right. So I think it was like 192 and I was like, perfect. <laughs> like whatever you know ask for more you get what you need right so um i i started thinking that way so i give them i'd be like okay well here's 20 drinks each hmm. you get a, you get a college student that's got 20 drinks in his hands that he could hand out and hand a drink to a girl's guys da, 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 and he keeps that in his pocket you're promoting stuff then to yeah. turn around to people that i had my own certain amount of drinks from the other side you're, you're, you're building this whirlwind and somebody's actually paying you on a it's Friday. It's marketing what I want. Right? So yeah. um, I was paying them way more than anybody was paying because I think it was five, I think minimum wage at that time was $5. I think it was $5. $5.25. Oh, but I, I didn't know at that point. To me, minimum wage was high because cost of living balanced out for what you're getting paid yeah. in this yeah. at the time. But if you're a kid that's coming in hmm. and I was making that much money and I'm basically handing each one of you a hundred dollars on Friday and a hundred dollars on Saturday, you're not making that as no. a part-time job on the weekend. And you get to talk to girls, you get to have drinks, you have to get a good time. You're meeting artists. You're, 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 you're involved in this, this lifestyle that you, you have the person in your playlist, but now I was teaching them how to, in a sense, be handlers with these artists, understanding so it was more teaching them to be promoters as well. But isn't that what the best leaders do? I guess so. I mean, I mean, that you, you were teaching kids to replace you because you were going to go somewhere else. I still do it to this day. And I never think that's the thing, Rob. I never looked at it that way. But now that you say it. Um, you were giving it, without expectation, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah, you know, and it goes back to, you know what, I'm just thinking now, and I always said, my mom always said, treat people the way you want to be treated. 100%. Right, so I walk with that. I always yeah. walk with that in anything that I go to. So where did you, how did you then end up from the music on the screen? You know, you moved into uh, television and, and films. And yeah. I'm going to encourage anyone listening to this to go and just put your name in and look at the list. I mean, you've acted and been with some amazing people you've done some fantastic shows but it's a big leap from on stage to behind the screen yeah well with a lot of people like uh what don't who don't know is um the leap actually came um because of um i had i was already comfortable yeah. interviewing bands from doing yeah. zed on cbc and um, with CBC is like, is like our, if you're like, I mean, the BBC up yeah. there, right? And, um, the ABC here, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then, so for me, it was like, I, I was, I was, I'm, I've never been afraid of the cameras. Like, you're going to do an interview. Jake Warren taught me that. Yeah. Like, Moses and I because I told Moses I wanted to market. He goes, No, you need to be on TV. You got a good look for TV. I was like, Who the hell is Moses and I'm talking to? Bro, I just standing here in your face telling you I want to get in the marketing department. And you telling me, No, I'm going to be on TV. Talk to Jake Warren. 
but in my in my brain i was like no he doesn't understand i need i know marketing i know this what is he doing like mm. so he said just talk to jake and then i didn't know he was already asking people in the room who's that guy so a couple of people who had known me in the room was mm. like oh that sleeps he's a rapper does this he's, nah, nah, he's always involved in this and and then Moses has his mind made up. Apparently, like forty-five minutes before I met him, yeah. And I was like, "He's like, I'm like, why? Why would you put me in there?" He goes, "I've been asking around." I'm like, "Asking around, bro? I've seen the whole night talking to people. You was asking around about me, but he knew stuff, so I knew he did." And then, I, and then you, you know, the other side of you is like, "Well, if you know his track record, um." And weird enough, I did my research on him like I was going to interview him. Mm -hmm. So I knew like who I was dealing with before, it, you know, when the station was happening. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll, try, I'll try. Actually, I'm going to lie. He didn't even give me a choice. He just told me to meet with Jake here, introduced me to Jake, put us together and said, hey, Jake has a show. It's called Island Underground. I think you'd be able to help him and he'd be able to help you. I was like, bro, I don't even know anything about editing. I don't even know anything about that. Nah. He goes, ah, we'll teach you. So he actually set it up for them to teach me how to like to use mm -hmm. editing software in the play. So if it wasn't for Moses Nimer, I don't feel I would be doing what I'm doing now, honestly, because being in front of the camera made me okay with being in front of a camera. Um, understanding, you know, Especially for me, lighting. Lighting is huge. <laughs> Here, you know what? I'll show you an example of what they what how much I know about lighting. See, without me with no lighting, we have a problem. <laughs> but if you think and look at it from the other way, and I'll put the oh see, oh here we go. Oh, yeah. You know, light is great. Okay, we got this, we got this. You know, but um Man, is, is, I'm, I'm fine because my light is cool, but I have had it go off in the middle of an interview, which, you know, that is fun. Right. Oh, it's 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 hilarious, to be honest with me. You know, but um, but that but that's that's honestly, I believe yeah. if it wasn't for Moses Neimer and giving me the confidence to be able to kind of go, oh, I'm in front of the camera, what's the difference? So going on stage gave me the confidence to go in front of the camera because yeah. I wasn't afraid to grab yeah. a mic and be like, blah, 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 blah. You know, say my rhyme or ask me questions. Yeah. So it's it was like a, a domino effect. And you have to, and a lot of people who I hope you don't, those of you who are listening, that that's what still me at a time was still trying to find myself. If you if you would have told me back then that I would be doing this and sitting here with you, Rob, and so I would be like, Man, get the you know what? Would you cool, man, but I'm out. Like I can't, I don't waste my time. And it, it, so many things when you think of that saved my life. How many, how many people do you think? Now, you're, you grew up in a tough neighbourhood. You saw the worst of the worst, right? You get to mm -hmm. now and you look back. How many people do you think who were incredibly talented never got on that talent by because they went no when that opportunity went, here, go and do this, rather than go, oh, stuff it, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? I think 95% of people. So that, do you think that might be the difference between people who are successful in whatever they choose to be and people who just get it go along in life? Well, I think it's two things. Um, I mean, by rights, you shouldn't be successful. You shouldn't no. have achieved anything. You, no. sh you should probably either should be in jail 
having a dead end job or dealing drugs. If if you, you go by the stereotype that people like to put on people based on mm-hmm. where they where they are, the color of the skin, or whatever that rubbish is, mm-hmm. you did the opposite. You went against it, what everyone said you would be. So there's something um, different that you did that others don't do. Um, I have to say, I, I, um, I decided at one point that pride will and props. People who want props and pride. If you yeah. if you look at them, they're pretty similar, and both of those things will leave you broke. Yeah, true, true. Because if you're so consumed uh, with um, acceptance. That, that that that's the most important thing to you it's not the most it, it's no longer love happiness peace mm-hmm. like you're still messing you're still you which i feel ends up being a um a part of narcissism yeah because you know if you if you sit there and all you're worried about is you but you're not worried about everything else around you it's tough you may have dreams and goals and you sacrifice everything's always a sacrifice no matter what you do, no matter what you take, like even this path, as much as I could say, I'd love what I do and how much yeah. I've, I've sacrificed so many things that I've missed with my kids yeah. that I can never get back. But I know I have to tell myself when this is all said and done, they'll understand and I could leave something for them. They'll understand that dad did this. So that way I don't have to, um, while you gave me emotional, I don't okay. have to, well, <laughs> I don't have it's to honesty. It's not emotion work as, as hard. Cause the one thing I started to realize is like parents, parents don't set you up to fail. No, they shouldn't ever set you up to fail. So when every kid thinks that, you know, as, as a parent, we're being hard on them and we don't understand and, you know, I wish you you just don't get it. No, but bro, like I don't know what part of your brain is telling you all that nonsense. I've been here way longer than you on this planet. Trust me what I'm telling you. It's, it's not an argument or a fight or anything. Because you know what? If I lead you down the wrong path, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to cost money that I don't want to spend on you for dumb shit. So let me save dumb shit money. So just listen to what I'm telling you. Sound like Grant Cardone. Uh, I, had a, I got one of my best mates comes from a big Italian family, and I went to school with him. And they're still I class them as part of, as, as family to me, like I am familiar to them. And his dad used to say to us when I was over there as a young fella. Now, when you come in later than what I'm told you told you, you've got to be home by. I want you to think of an excuse that I don't know or I haven't already used. And we'd look at him. And I, and I think at the time he didn't quite realise, but he was basically telling us, I've been there, done that. I've said every excuse under the book. You can't get me. Yeah. And we and in the end it was a game. What excuse could we work out that he hadn't used? Right. But as you just said, he wasn't setting us up to fail. He was trying to say, you know, the, quite the opposite. Yeah, it's like I don't even understand what you're trying to tell me now, bro. You, I've been there, done that, and this stuff that. I still can't tell you that I did and I've done. <laughs> As we say, post Facebook was so much more fun. It was. It's so much fun, <laughs> yeah. mate. When you you've what do you prefer, TV, film, or stage? What gives you the biggest buzz? 
That's a really good question. Um, uh, well, while you're thinking on that one, I'll ask you, what was it like the first time the crowd reacted to something you did in a positive way? How did that make you feel? Well, I remember exactly what it was, too. I was a, I was a kid. Yeah. I was probably about five years old. Mm. And there was school play. Yeah. And it was Wizard of Oz, and I got to play the lion. Yeah. And if anybody's seen what the lion looks like in, in, in the Wizard of Oz. You're not a lion, exactly, buddy. That, that's exactly what I look like, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a perfect fit. No, I'm yep. joking. <laughs> yeah. I know. I hear what you say. You know, so it was, uh, it was definitely one of those things where, you know, um, I remember. I remember being nervous. I remember I had my lines, and I remember mm. having book the voice. I would like the lion, <laughs> all that other stuff as a kid. And, and I remember the play was done, and I wore that lion suit in the house because it was pantyhose stockings and the yeah. thing. And the, 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 I remember I wore that so many times after this play was done, playing outside, and I started getting holes in the stockings. And my mom was just like, "Can you please put on?" I still had the tail, like they used. To, they had a, they had the tail that kind of we pinned on, mm-hmm. but it was like um, I think there was cotton in it. But it, the way it bended, I still had the tail, and it still wagged. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that so, and I that thrill. I think from the response to the audience was it was some of the first feeling that I felt of like outside of my mom's love and mm-hmm. everyone else. And because sports was normal to be like, Hey man, good going. You're like, yeah, yeah, I got four of them. That's cool. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you just got to like, you know, you just do your thing. You're playing sports. Yeah. That was a, a different feel. And I feel mm-hmm. it stuck with me for a reason. And, um, you know, when you, when you grow West Indian culture is very, very, and I think a lot of cultures are, especially when you come from parents in that era, they know what they went through. So they want you to push a lot harder, you know? And, yeah. and unfortunately for me growing up, and then I, when I say, unfortunately for me, when I was growing up, because this is the mentality of your parents that they, that they have to instill in you is I was always told you have two strikes against you. The first one is your black. The second one is your black. So the next strike, you better be able to to hit the home run with it. Yeah, always in the back of my mind. As much as comfortable people think that I am, whether if I'm set or whatever I'm doing, I know I have to try twice, three times, four times as hard. Whether it's to get the job, whether it's to prove that I'm good enough, whether it's yeah. to um, get the role or get the part. But the one thing that I mix with it is that I'm comfortable. I know it. I, instead of dwelling on it. I, I looked at it as not everyone thinks that way. Not every not, not every person that's not of color thinks that way. But I will eliminate the ones. Uh, hold on. Keep yeah. Now we that that ghost is back. Nate, you were talking then before about. Uh you know, growing up, the three strikes and you had to work three times as hard. Today, I mean, we don't get it in Australia. I mean, yeah, we have our Indigenous here, but it's a totally different thing. Do you think today 
a lot of that old bigotry and that that old you know judging by someone by their colour has improved where you know anyone who's decent doesn't even look at someone's colour to be honest they just take the person to who they are and they're either good at the job or they're not or whatever. Do you think that's uh, improved now compared to when it was when you were first starting out? Yes, I can say I, I feel like it has. Yeah. But I also feel that um, there's areas that no matter, like nobody wants, like I said, like and you said, no one wants to be a bigot. Like these things have improved, but there's still those stereotypes that still haven't left because they'll always be there. Yeah. So I I feel when you look at it, it's 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 the people. I I think that for the most part, they're going to die off. And I know it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible to say. People are like, oh, man. And then I said, listen, those people are going to die off in the yeah. next 10, 20 years. I hate to say it, but they're going to die off. There always will be a little trickle of them because some of them grew up in areas mm-hmm. where they've never even met a black person. Or a person. Be a lot of black black person. And the, the, exactly. Whites, right? So yeah. I said, you know, there's, Beyond that, it, it's it's all going to start back with like, you know, I always say, even I say to my kids, hey, listen, you guys are the future. So so your generation are the next whether lawyers, doctors, politicians, so on and so forth. So, you yeah. know, you guys are the ones that are biggest are going to make the biggest change. We just need to keep talking about it. you guys are the ones that are going to be the lawmakers. You guys yeah. are the ones that are going to want to live the way you want to live and how your kids are going to live. And that being said, there's a reason why they say, and Whitney Houston said it the best, I believe the children of the future. Always are, man. Right? So that's like, so it's, it, it's all on them. And I, and I, and, you know, we've said for years, like, hey, there's change, there's change, there's change. Yes, there's change. But, you know, they're the re- they're going to make the real changes. Like they're going to really live in a world that they want to live in as like we all push for our stuff to be living the world we're living in. It's not the greatest, but you know, it's, it's not like before where it's like, I can't drink from your water fountain. You gotta like, no, but these are all things that they would, they, like they only hear and know, like, even if you look at the history of it, we, you know, we, Mm. we usually see it on in, in the month of February. You're usually educated about it in the month of fe- February. Or there's some history books. And I feel like also what is a, a huge problem is teaching that same old history instead of showing the things that have progressed. In, yeah, the, from- yeah. I, I agree with you there. The, the thing that I don't like is I don't mind people talking the history and talking the good and the bad. But mm-hmm. take the political side out of it. Just stick to the fact. Yeah. That's, Once you start putting, the the, I, I've seen people who honestly believed, you know, what they were saying, but turned people against them because they're so just as racist and so bigoted yes. against a white rather than just, and yes. people who would normally, I've watched it in conversation and gone, you're losing people who aren't this way. Yeah, they, they're with you. You're actually and creating that- what you're complaining about. And that's exactly the biggest problem I felt. And it's like a lot of the, 
Okay, uh, a perfect example: Torn Dark Bullets, the movie that we that that we all, I have also was also in on Amazon. Mm. I I I took that script with Dexter Bell, who played my son in that movie. Mm. So you'll see a lot of the things that that the cop is saying. I put in there. I wrote that in because I was like, no, if there's not a balance of what he thinks from what from what we think, you can never see it through someone else's eyes to go like, how do we correct this? You so think somebody- Hollywood doesn't like you, and I mean, I'll put it straight up. If you go to any of the the big shows when they're casting a drug dealer on the street, okay, nine out of ten drug dealers they cast are black, uh huh, or Hispanic. Or Hispanic, right? <laughs> Always, right? Yeah. But it may also reflect real life. But the big dog, the big dog drug dealer is the white dude working on the top. 100%. Everybody else is. So, but then you say, and then Hollywood and all them say, oh, no, 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 we're all this, we're all that. But then they cast over here. And then they don't look at the guy who's been brought up a certain way. As if you look at uh, Northern Ireland, you've got the Catholics and the Protestants. They're brought up to hate each other. The kids don't know any different. But then someone says, oh, you're a bad person because you think this. No, you've got to go back and see, well, why is that person the way they are? Mm-hmm. What we, I mean, you're, you're, you're being blessed because anyone listening to you will see, well, everything that happened to you, good and bad, in your life has shaped who you are. Mm-hmm. It's how we react to how we're brought up. That's it. I, I, I decided that... You know, like it, it builds anger and you just start being angry at everything after yeah, a while, yeah. you know, and, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is I control my own destiny. Like I control mm-hmm. my own destiny. If I say in my head, I can't do something. It's me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with anyone else. It has nothing to do with it's you. Why can't you do this? Because you your dumbass just told yourself you can't do it. Instead of just going ahead and trying to see if you could do it or learning how to do it or putting yourself in a position to learn. And I think that's the biggest problem, the biggest ignorance with today is so many people can go on Instagram and make their lives look like it's the best thing in the world. It's all fine. Instead of talking about like, hey, some of the, you know, issues, you know, but then there's the gift and that curse because there's some people that you look at some of their Facebook or their Instagram just like, are you really going through a lot of stuff? Because it just seems like you're constantly looking for attention with like, yes. Yeah. So, so what I've learned is, is like, if I don't say it to anybody, it's only in my head. It's in my head. Hmm. So if I think people are thinking, Oh, this t-shirt looks like it's too tight and I got breasts. It's my fault. It's, I got to change it. <laughs> And my fat ass shouldn't have had ice cream the night before. So that's why I'm, all my this is my destiny. You know, so and I think too many people, like even my, a lot of my friends, they'll be like, oh man, I didn't do this because and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you didn't do this because you didn't do it. Don't, after that, don't, anything after but is your fault. Yeah. We choose how we react to anything. I don't blame anyone but myself. I, and that's, that's the biggest thing. If I don't get an audition, it's no one else's fault. So some of the shows you've done, I mean, have you ever been on a show where you've been in front of an actor that is totally oblivious to the rest of the world 
and totally oh, yeah. out of touch with what's going on. And how do you do? How do you act? And I'm going to use the the movies or the TV shows, but you can relate it back to well because people will go. Oh, well, I'll say what it was. I don't give a shit. <laughs> how, do, how do you handle someone who's totally out of touch with reality, without you know just hit, wanting to say, "Man, grabbing them and shaking the shit out of them." Well, well, this person I couldn't, but um, like uh, a lot of the big most, as you call them, famous actors, do get a rep for being difficult and do get a rep. Well, here's 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 a situation. I was on a TV series with Steven Seagal. And yep. It was called True Justice. I've heard some stories about him. And you know, I, I have to say, for the most part, ninety nine point nine percent of them are true. Hmm. You know what I mean? For the most part, I mean, I'm like, have I seen things? Oh yeah, I've seen some things that made me laugh to the point where I was like. Wow, this is this is like I have comedy gold. If I decide to go up there and do stand up, because these are real things that happen. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I think that people forget is when you were a star in the '80s and the '90s, you just did whatever you wanted, and people let it go. True. And when you develop the yes, yes men around you, you can never do anything wrong. Yeah. Because and then those people around you, you're a page, like you're a paycheck mm. to them. So whatever you want, you get. And I have to say, like, as much as I'll sit here and I'll clown and I'll mm. say whatever, um, Steven Seagal gave me my first opportunity as a lead in a series. Now, that being said, about certain things of being oblivious about, it, I, yeah, I've seen it where I'm just like, it says written by you. How the hell did you not even know what, huh? Okay. But you you have to remember also when you see it on the side of like all the things that are mm. being thrown at him and the things that he's dealing mm. with and the lifestyle he's used to, it's normal for him to behave a certain way. So he sort of was a creation of Hollywood. Uh... They created who he is today. Yeah, I think the environment in Hollywood yeah, did. Yeah. But, well, when you hear requests, that some of the requests that people had before in the 80s mm. and they were just giving it to them, you're like, you gave this you gave this dude a plane to fly 50 miles? Yeah. Or just weird things like that. Like, you you know, it was this, you were a star. So they just gave you whatever you asked for. Yeah. And I, I feel like you look at people who are like Steven, that's what they know. Yeah. And... And, I, and it's like, how do you fault them for an industry giving them everything that they've asked for? True. You're not used to hearing, no, can't have that. No. <laughs> like, but when you're told, like, oh, sure, yeah, no problem. Let's make it happen, Mr. Seagal. Okay. So when it doesn't happen, you're like, what are you, what are you an idiot? Like, how can you not make it happen? You know, and I've seen some funny moments where Steven, I got a good story. I got a, I got a good story. Um, we were on set once and um, earlier on in the, uh, in the, I'm sorry, Steven, um, earlier on in the, <laughs> in the series, um, he changed his name from Ethan to Elijah. So we're, uh, <laughs> We're about, like, I'd say, I think three, three or almost five or six episodes in. Yep. 
And there's a scene where we pull in, um, Megan Ori and I pull in in our vehicle. We get out. Steven pulls up in his truck. And there's the Sheriff Graves. And um, Sheriff Graves jumps out and says, Hey, Elijah, do you got a second? Steven walks out. He's standing there and he's looking around. All right, guys, cut, man, cut. All right, guys, get this Elijah guy down here so he can say his lines and we can move things on. Like, God damn it, guys, do I work with a bunch of dog dicks? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Man, this is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> but leading up to it, I've seen some other stuff. And then I don't know if I can swear on your platform, but you please got to bleep this out if you want the real authentic words that came up. Will you be able to beep it out? Yep. So he says, who the fuck is Elijah, man? Get him down here so we can shoot. Now, at this point, I I was almost in tears because I'm like, how is what the what is going on? So yeah. I'm like, and he spun his head back to look, and I was like, <laughs> acting came in quick. I saw I was like, <laughs> and I went behind this fake wall, and the guy, the grip, the electric dude, the grip holding up the wall, they're dying laughing. I my eyes are like just like watering. Megan is like the strongest person who's trying not to look. She can't look at me. She, so now I'm trying to catch my breath. And then I see the director and the producer mm. going like, I'm not going to tell him. You tell him as they're walking by. You tell him. I'm not telling him. Which made me need to go back behind the wall and start dying. Yeah. And they're telling him. And they're like, uh, Steven's like, guys, get this goddamn Elijah. Got a set. They're like, oh, Steven, you're Elijah. Huh? Oh, no. You're Elijah. I'm Elijah. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, then let's roll sound. And we're like, uh, and I can't because my eyes are literally red. And like, he said, take five. Oh, no, it was beyond take five. Like, every time I heard, hey, Liza, you have a second? That was it. Like, it was, it was game over. I couldn't help it. So, we actually ended up shooting that whole scene in a whole different place, another, a couple, um, little while later. So, we had such a great time with it that we made t shirts. We yeah. made Who the Fuck is Elijah t shirts. And uh, we were wearing them. He had no idea on the last day what that meant. Nothing. He's like, oh, those are great T-shirts, man. You guys can get me one. And I couldn't even, I almost lost it again. Almost <laughs> lost it again. And um, I feel like, you know, you think of those kind of situations. It's uh, it's it's years of going, well, well this doesn't work. Why yeah. is this working? And I feel yeah. that the industry had changed. But uh, when you, you know, you, for me, on the other hand, you know, he was really good to me. He invited me to UFC fights, and I was like, nah, I'm good. Not realizing that you meant, oh, go to the UFC and fly to Vegas to go to UFC. Okay. Okay. So that's, uh, there's, that, that's, that's, I feel was one of the moments that I realized that Hollywood could consume you. Yeah. And, um, they really they 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 push you for your ego to be beyond what it what what you what it really is, hmm. and um, so a lot of them don't the, live there now. A lot of the, I've I've seen most of them have moved out of Hollywood. They fly in to do the uh, shoot now in, in Australia. You can't even get a soundstage 
because a lot Same of them, here. they're all coming here because they can, uh, They, I think it was Billy Connolly or somebody, it was some mega star, they turned around and said, why do you spend so much time in Australia? He said, because I can walk down the pub and have a beer and not get annoyed. He said, we can go and do our work and then go out. There's no paparazzi as such. People leave you alone. And the same as Canada, they just get up, do their work. They're only people doing a job. They're no different to anyone else. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you, do you have a favourite movie or TV show you had so much fun doing? Yeah, I would say uh, Coffee and Cream is, is definitely up there. Um, Game Over Man is definitely... Yeah. One that I've done that I wish never end, and uh, the LA Complex yeah. is a TV series that I wish never ended. Yeah, well written, good vibes, good peoples. It's good when you get um, into an environment like that. Yeah, well, well, no one wants to go to work where you have to deal with BS. And, yeah, you know, you, you're supposed to go to work and be excited about doing your job. You're not supposed to go to work to be yelled at. You know, True. your your boss should be there to uplift you. If you don't have a boss that's willing to teach you what he does uh, on a, a just in case a day that he might not be able to make it because he falls sick and you guys are not stranded and swimming yeah. with alligators, leave the job. So I'm say find the job where you want, where you can work, where you, you can move up and that person's happy for you to move up because when they move up, you're still working with them. Mate, if I, could, if I could get your table at your favourite restaurant for a couple of empty seats, who would you have? Sitting with me? Yeah, just for a chat. doesn't matter if you've worked with them or not. I mean, you've, you've seen the good and the bad of ugly of Hollywood and the music industry and TV. Wow, Is there someone within that industry or someone from outside that industry you love just to sit and have a chat with? Wow. Um, well, I know, I know Denzel would definitely be one of them. Yeah, Denzel Washington would definitely be one of them. Um, oh, man, that's uh, um, you can tell none of and see, I don't warn any of our guests, anyone listening, what questions are coming. We just go with the I, flow. I, I'm the same way, so this is awesome. Oh, um, well, you so the, it's back on you now. You're used to doing it to uh, your guests. Oh, yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, damn, this is good. Um, a lot of people don't realize he's actually got his own radio show where he interviews people from the industry. Uh, and we're going to we'll get him to give a bit of a plug to, to the, at the end of this. But we, he he talks to people from uh, the industry and asks them all the hard questions. And I think a few of them are going to enjoy watching and listening. Oh yeah, oh, him on him this. on the hot tin look roof instead this. of them. I think Cicely Tyson would be another one. Yeah, who's that? And you said I had three people. How many people? Maybe I have? made it your table. Um. Joe Pesci. Now that um, would be interesting. In his heyday, that would have been even better. Yeah, Robert De Niro. Um, I think um, Terry Belafonte. Ah, there comes the music. Um, um, Sidney Poitier. Like I feel like a lot of people from the past, and yeah. I would love to put there. I would definitely put people like. Um, Jay-Z for his mind, like for mm. the way his brain thinks. Um, P. Diddy. I know I'm, I'm jumping in. I miss That's even like someone like Elon Musk would be yeah. great to just, because uh, I like technology and I like to think of 
other ideas. I have some other I, I have ideas for leading for the future. Um, Mate, in saying that, post COVID, is we I mean in Australia we're just going backwards again now than latest strain, but we will come out of it. Uh, do you see what do you see? Is maybe is going to be the biggest change in the uh, entertainment industry that wasn't around before. Where do you think it's going to go? It's the bonds that you can make with people. Yeah. As I think it's going to really change because, you know, they say staying in your bubble, you'll stay in your bubble, but you're still going to be reserved. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not as, as open as I feel that it would be. And, and I'm a social person. Like yeah. I am the social person. Like nightclubs owe me money for being there as many times as I've been there. And I, you know what I mean? And now I'm just saying it as a sense of like, that's how social I am. Like I, I, I do enjoy going out and I really did. Mm-hmm. But one thing that COVID taught me was, you know, remember what I told you about time, the, yeah. the things that you, you miss and so on and so forth. And COVID also taught me, if you don't go out, you save a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money. You're like, I ain't working and I still got all this bread. Wow. I just like to go out and get a haircut, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? That's how you learn to cut your own hair. You know what I'm saying? You can fade yourself. You can, you can push your hairline back. Nobody knows for about like a, two weeks, and then you get it, you fix it back up again. You got hats. No, my true. daughter's already giving me a hard time about uh, the receding hairline. So, you know, yeah, but hey, we, we figure it all out as part of life. And apparently, as they say, we get better looking as we age. So I go with it. Mate, you're fine. I've got a good face for radio, so you're, you're gonna you're gonna have no. So do I, guy. So do I. We're both in the same boat. We're setting ourselves up for when it's all over. People mate. don't understand. We're thinkers. We think ahead. Mate, last question before I uh, ask you to give you a plug of what you do these days. If you ran into that 15 year old self back in Brooklyn, what would you tell him after everything you've been through now? Uh, you know, I would say, you know, it's not your fault. Like you're growing. Um, if, if you didn't go through that, a lot of those things, that's just, um, it would change who you are today. And, you know, I would also just tell them, it's just like, you know, you, you have to, you know, pick your head up and don't let it consume you. And the biggest thing is to talk to someone. I think as males and as black males, we're told like therapy, especially in our culture, is not a thing. I don't think it's just a black thing. Eh? I think uh, males in general don't talk. Right. So, yeah, so that, that's where I was going to get, I was yeah. going to go to. So I was going to say for, you know, as males ourselves, we'll, we'd rather, you know, we'll talk about what happened on the pitch. We'll talk about what happened in a baseball game. We'll talk about yeah. what happened in, do you know what I mean? Everything else and, but and the funny thing is, is we'll tell a stranger. We'll tell a stranger more about ourselves and how we're feeling about a situation. than we'll tell the people who actually love you and that will give you real advice. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I've realized that, you know, Two things. I'm be a grumpy old man, or I'm just gonna be like, you know what I mean? I'll be a happy grumpy old man. I can't see you being a grumpy old man, to be honest, William. You know, <laughs> way. 
but I, I feel like, you know, as for my 15 year old self, I think it's the most important thing is to understanding, you know, not just even at 15, it's just what I would say now is, um, Hey, just pick your head up and, um, you know, people are going to make mistakes, but you have to think to yourself, mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Yeah. If you know it's wrong, yeah. don't do it. Don't be ashamed to be like, nah, y'all go do that. I'm out. And I started doing that from when I was 19, 20 years old. After that story that my mom would tell me, mm-hmm. like, just used to always say to me, if you don't feel right. Tell-. And Book once line. I do that now, I just don't. You hear so many stories that my life has been saved probably about 10 times because of it. So I would tell him that, yo, listen, you know, no one's perfect, but you have to be honest with yourself. And if you're not honest with yourself, you're living for somebody else and other people. So every if, if you're not happy, no one else around you should be happy. It will, will, will be happy. If you're not yeah. happy, no one else around you will be happy. So what's this radio show you do? It's called Hollywood North Radio. It's a platform set up for, you know, a lot of actors who are in so many movies, we, we never get to do the interviews. Hmm. But our resumes are, are, are extensive. Yeah. And um, I always thought that, you know, you look around, there's 100 crew members. You look around on the call sheet, sometimes there's between stunts and, the, and everywhere hmm. else, there's 100 actors. But usually it's the top four actors who, that are, you're in that movie, so you guys are selling the movie. Yes. And... And uh, I think I thought, you know, what a great way to start a platform to just help people in the arts. It's just, you know, it's also arts, business, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget that as creatives, we're creative in so many different ways. Yeah. It's never just the one. And um, that's the same thing why I got involved with Cloud Van Tales, because it gives mm-hmm. my friends now an opportunity to do comedy and build your comedy reel. A lot of the times you don't even get an opportunity to do that. Nah. So there's Cloud Cloud Van Tales is a great platform to do that so that's where hollywood north radio started and uh, and you know what my my friend degree one dj d Wiz, they got me into radio as i got older and they, mm-hmm. they made it even more comfortable for me after aok did so i i understand the power of what we do uh, um mm-hmm. rob and I, I i understood it at a young age and i just needed a, a way to figure it out and build it and um and something big is happening for hollywood north radio and the next well, things will be signed, but um, you gonna give us a hint? I can't really say it until. Well, it deals with Hollywood North Radio. It deals with the yeah. bigger platform, and it deals with 186 countries. Wow! So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all you're gonna say. All the listeners are gonna be going, "Man, I want to, I want to tune in." Where, where, if before you go to be world dominant and be on uh, cable television around the world and all that. Where can they listen to the radio show? Well, right now we listen to, you can listen to the radio show. It's, uh, we do a live feed because of COVID. It's just at Hollywood North Radio yep. on our IG page. We do it every Saturday. It says 11 a.m. till 2 p.m., but we run Black People Time, so it's 11.45 because of COVID. We can start whenever we want. So we start with... <laughs> we call <laughs> we it Fiji time in Australia. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We, we, we will be, we'll be back on schedule because the, the radio station will start reopen up in September. That's on Save on Radio, um, the internet uh, online radio station. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah. a show that I do, man. And uh, I mean, I, I get up every Saturday, and it's it's 
looks like a lot of fun if, by looking at your yeah. face. At Hollywood North Radio, you can follow us there. And then anywhere else, you'll, there'll be some new hashtags and new handles where you can go. But it will always be at Hollywood North Radio. Um, at this point, you'll always be able to hear it on Save On Radio. But there's going to be a couple other platforms where you, it'll be fantastic. It'll be on. And one, one is... One, I, I've in, on, I, get me, me, me. I want to tell you, Rob. <laughs> I want to say it. But, you know, how about this? How about this? How about... um. How about I do a trade-off with you? Okay. When it goes, I'll have you on. And it's 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 like a I, I really really enjoyed this interview. I've done interviews with so many people. There's, there's a lot of them been great, but I love the way that you're not robotic. I love the way that you're it's very natural. It's a very similar way that Hollywood North is set up. Awesome. It's uh no BS. There's there's a good conversation. And um your platform is something where I would be like, I got to watch now because I like this. Like, Awesome. Um, well, so, you, what I'm going to say to the listeners, when it's launched, and I know you'll send me an email to make sure what's going on, I'll make sure I put it up on all my socials and everywhere else so people can actually follow you. And You're going to have to. You're going to be a guest. You're going to have to. You're <laughs> going to be a guest. You're I'm going to be honoured to be a guest. But even before then, I'm going to make sure the people know where they can hear you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Like, and like, I, I'm a, like, one thing I would like to say to people is I'm one person that says one hand washes the other. Don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Learn, ask questions. There's never, and there's no such thing as a, as a, as a dumb question or a stupid question. And I used to tell that with everybody I worked with when I was at ALM and working in the location department. And anybody I'm around, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Because if you're no. willing to learn, you will find the answer. You know, if, you, if there's not a way, make it. Fake it. <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Mate. I had to do it a couple times. <laughs> you did. You did. We all have, man. We all. No one ever hey, knows you. You ride a horse? Yep. It's like when you forget a line on stage, no one knows you forgot it. No, but that's the thing, unless you, unless you tell them. So. Mate, that's true. Mate, been awesome. I'll put all the links into in the show notes for everyone. They'll be able to catch you. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to someone with a big smile on their face that enjoys life. <laughs> it really, to, really man. is. You have to. Rob, thank you so much, man. And I really appreciate you having me on your platform. And um, we'll definitely talk. I mean, you know how to get a hold of me. So just yep. hit me up anytime, bro. I'm, 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 I'm open to having good people around me in life. So uh, you seem like a good dude. Hit me up anytime, brother. Any man, and as we're going to say to everyone that listens to our show, you know how we end. Have a groovy day. <laughs>